Hi, and welcome to the MVR podcast number five. I'm Rachel Elmer. And I'm Peter Jacob. And today we're going to be talking about unconditional love and conditional care. Peter, perhaps you might want to start off. Okay, well, this topic has come out of a conversation I had with Dan Dolberger, who has developed the work involving NVR with adults who um, don't work, who withdraw socially, uh, live in their room, and uh, are dependent on their parents to care for them uh, all around. And um, one of the things that struck me in my conversation with Dan was that many parents seem to feel that they must express their unconditional love for their adult child or sometimes adolescent child who is uh, becoming dependent in this way by caring unconditionally for the child. And that unconditional care uh, tends to entrap the parents and becomes part of the problem. So um, I was really interested in how unconditional love and unconditional care relate to each other. Hmm. But I was also interested because the two of us have had a conversation about this uh, before this podcast, and you brought up the aspect of gender. Uh, hmm. And uh, I, I was really interested in your take on these issues from a gendered perspective. Yeah, we did. We spoke about my, well, my curiosities around, I was wondering what the percentage was of, of adults in this, in this situation, what were male and what were female. And I, I, you know, I suspected that the numbers for male adult entitled dependency were higher than they were female. And of course, we don't have any numbers, we don't have any stats, but yeah, generally speaking, I was assuming that there were more men that were growing from teenagers to adult adult men and staying in the family home and um, withdrawing from society and and allowing their parents to care for them in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I would uh, say that uh, that assumption is is correct. I, I don't have the stats uh, at the top of my head, but I do think that the majority of younger adults who are entitled in this way uh, are male. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you said they allow their parents to care for them. I would go a step further. I think mm-hmm. part of the pattern is generally that they expect their parents to care for them and at times demand that their Mm. parents care for them. Yeah, and then we went on to talk about those demands on the parents. Um, I wonder how it all comes about. And just it's just curiosities, really, on my part. Having been blessed with raising two daughters, I haven't raised a son, and I wondered if there were any differences in how a parent, a mother raises a son, but also how those expectations come around, those expectations from the son to the mother um, or parents. Um, But yeah, 
I think that the adult living in the home environment making such unreasonable demands. And then that then goes on to my curiosities about the parent. We'll assume in this instance that we're talking about a mother and how how that predicament leaves her, how she perhaps may not want to discuss her son's behaviours with anyone, anyone close, family, friends, work colleagues, how that leaves her feeling really isolated in that world, knowing that she's unconditionally caring for her adult child in this way. And perhaps the people around her aren't doing that with their adult children. And that overwhelming sense of shame and guilt, because deep down that's not how she wants her relationship to be with her child. I'm wondering how she got there and wondering how she could get out and whether there is a possibility to even end this. Could she even begin to see that that relationship between her and her son could be different? Um, and each day continues and she finds herself, yeah, hypothet- hypothetically thinking about this parent, but she finds herself in this situation and the guilt and the shame of of making changes yeah I just feel that we talked a lot about parent blaming haven't we and society blame and yeah well these are so many issues and so many Mm. questions that you've just Mm. raised Uh, I think we could probably spend hours unpicking them Mm. Uh, but I think to begin with um, it is the case that generally mothers are more the target of blame by the young adult than fathers. Both Mm -hmm. can be, but um, caring still remains a primary role for women. Mm. Uh, Women and girls and women are socialized much more into caring than boys Mm. and men. So, we have mothers in that situation that you've just uh, described, where on the one hand, they are responding to the demand for care, for mm. enco- all-encompassing care by the young adult. And at the same time, they feel blamed, shameful or guilty um, when something goes wrong with their child. Mm you know, quite manifestly, something is going wrong. He's inside of his room 24-7. He's not Mm. in vacation. He's not working. He's not volunteering. He's not doing anything productive. He's perhaps getting more and more anxious about the world around him. Mm. Yet, um, knowing that that's the case and feeling intrinsically in the wrong, may push her further Mm. in caring unconditionally when actually it may be helpful for all involved to start tapering off that care. I just keep thinking about this mother and, and her voice and her presence and feeling that whatever she says or does isn't going to evoke change in the relationship. And when she finds, maybe has the courage to find a voice to say, no, I'm not doing that. Or, you know, the, the the young adult male would then blame her more. I'm like this because it's your fault. I am 
I can't help this. Um, and how she just continues around this, this circle of, yeah. Well, well that, is, that is very, very common. You know, mm. blame, um, blame can be um, targeted at the parent uh, in all sorts of respects. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, it would seem very strange from the outside. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, a, an adult man in his 40s who reprimanded his mother for not having kept his games console mm -hmm. played with when he was 10 or 11. Um, so, and, and I, I don't think it's so much the content of what he says as it is the act of blaming that gets mm. under her skin and reinforces this sense that she's in the wrong. If she were to tell a friend about his behavior, about his self-isolation, the friend might even tell her, um, well, push him out, you know, mm. make him leave the house. Why are you doing this? And, she would feel blamed again. Mm. And the guilt and the shame that that would evoke in her would make her even more likely to continue to provide that um, all-around care. Mm. Yeah, and that, that voice, that blaming voice, can come from people who really love and care for her, who want the best for her and her son. Um, but again, it will become, it will come across and she will receive it as criticism. You know, the why word, why are you doing this? Mm. Why don't you just, why can't he just X, Y, and Z? Mm. Yeah. And that's cycle. And, but you raised the question of, um, you know, how, how can they get out of this? How do they get out? Yeah. I've very rarely come across um, young adults who've decided they've had enough of this situation no. and walked out of it themselves. I've come mm. across that once. Uh, in all other instances, I think it has to be the parent who um, rescinds on this all-around care mm. and takes steps to um, raise their voice. And you, you've just characterized the voice as saying no. Um, which is really quite something uh, for someone who has grown accustomed over many, many years to say yes to every single demand. We went on to say about the blame the mother receives is a bit of a two-pronged blame approach. You know, the blame that society, that she's feeling that she hasn't raised her son in a way that others have. Um, and then also the blame that the son is laying on his mother for not raising him or, or, or denying him of or of X, Y, and Z. I just think what a massive burden mm. that she she must be feeling. And I guess for us as NVR practitioners, uh, it's very important that we help to lighten that burden. Mm. So when we help the parents develop a support network, mm. that we work very proactively with the supporters so that uh, they learn not to give advice, not to make suggestions, not to tell the parent what to do, because that 
is inevitably experienced by the mother, by the mm-hmm. father, uh, as further blame, further mm-hmm. prescriptive yeah. um, blame. So instead, we need to support the supporters to actually respond to the parent's needs as she articulates them. Mm-hmm. Um, one example uh, could be that a mother uh, decides that she will go on a one-week, two-week holiday, and others will team up in the home uh, to help the younger adult, but they will not accommodate him to the same extent because mm. they don't have those same feelings of guilt that get evoked in them. And for her, it's an opportunity to uh, simply look after her own needs for a change and to realize that her son can survive without her. And perhaps to come to appreciate that he is potentially a lot more competent than she has thought. Yeah, I was thinking about the supporters not having the same um, guilt that the parent shares and, and they're more likely to be able to withdraw services and withdraw um their interactions and allow the boy to understand his own capabilities. You know, I think that's a a wonderful starting point for parents to take themselves away, to, to remind themselves of, of their own capabilities, but also of their son's capabilities to manage his life that he does and can and will um, when needed. I think it's a revelation. And when I've witnessed it or read about it, the parents feel overwhelmingly empowered it feels like there is light it's very exciting to know that i went away and he survived we all survived he can he can do x y and z you just used the word boy (laughs) often parents will say that Mm. at that point i'll say the man man i know he's an adult man often i'll say remind me how old is he? Yeah. And, you know, it's almost a rhetorical question because the parents will then smile and say, oh, 32. Okay. Okay. Um, So that we keep reminding ourselves that his capabilities are greater potentially than what uh, meets the eye. Mm. He has far greater capacity than we would think. And we haven't plumbed the depths of that capacity as long as we feel that every wish of his, every demand of his actually articulates a need. Mm. And therefore, no longer caring for him unconditionally can be an act of love. Yeah. You are in spite of how you've come to feel over many years, you're taking great risks and taking great emotional risks and relational risks, also in order to give your son the opportunity to live up to his potential. Yeah. Then my mother called that tough love. 
Yeah, I'm not sure whether I would see it as tough love. It might yeah. feel like that. It might feel like that. It might feel tough. Um, I, I think what we're generally looking at is the parent stepping back from universal care step by step. Mm. And the question is, how can they show um, how can they show love on their own terms rather than in response to a demand? So uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a parent who invaded her son's room. Mm. It was very messy. And she started cleaning it up because she said, I can't bear this filthy room in my house. Mm. And he said, get out of my room. And she uh, continued to clean it up. And uh, eventually he joined in. And then she went and picked some flowers in the garden and put them in a vase and placed the vase in his room. And I think that gesture, that reconciliation gesture, was actually an act of unconditional love. She'd gone through terrible things with her son. Those flowers symbolized her connection to him without the flowers being anything that he had demanded mm. and pressured mm. her to do. Yeah, it was an act that she wanted. I love flowers as well because I think each time the child, the young man looks at the flowers, it's symbolic, isn't it? His mother brought them there. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing about flowers. So I like that. I like that gesture. Yeah. And flower and small gifts of this, of that nature um, are what people do to show their affection. Mm. Uh, they want to lighten and brighten up someone's life, even for a few moments. Uh, she's gone through the effort of picking the flowers in the garden. Mm. With every flower she picked, she had him on her mind. Mm. But what she's not doing any longer is accepting that the room is filthy. Mm. And she will take further steps to rescind that universal mm. care uh, which he demands, which he accepts, and with which he keeps himself locked into dependency and mm. below his capacity. It'd be nice to have a little summarising of the discussion today around blame. I think what I've taken away is that parents don't, they don't predict this relationship. They don't want this relationship, this type of relationship with a child. I think every parent I've met and, and, and want the best for their children in every sense. They want them to excel in life. They want them to be confident and strong. They want them to be law-abiding adults. They want, they want, they want. And then when, when your child doesn't do the thing that you expected them to do, you know, whatever that might look like, I think is, is a big a big hit as a parent everybody wants the best for their children they love them they want to love them unconditionally and parents that find themselves in this scenario didn't want this it's just happened slowly in time um and and just the level of blame that they experience when their child does end up in this position um 
I think it's really profound and debilitating. Um, yeah, that's my kind of thoughts. Yeah, I think what I've taken from our conversation, or one of the things I've taken from our conversation is the need to have a gendered perspective. Mm. I believe that even in the NVR community, the community of NVR practitioners, we don't address issues of social inequality, race, minority status, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and gender mm. enough. Mm. And I think it will enhance our work and be more supportive of families when we do. Okay, that's our ending of our podcast. Thanks for listening to the fortnightly podcast and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, bye for now. Bye.